All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? This is uh, WTF. It's my podcast. My name is Mark Marin. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining. My heart goes out to everybody out there in Texas, in Houston, Texas, parts of uh, all around Houston, a little bit of uh, Louisiana. Goddamn, man. You're going through hell. It's a lot of fucking water, and it's a really fucking horrible event that's happening there. And I hope if you hear me now uh, that you're safe. And uh, I somehow, I mean, I imagine you might be stranded or you, you're just sitting there. I, I, I guess it's very hard to to get in and deal with this, and it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. It's just awful. I'm sorry you're going through that, if anybody is going through that who's listening to me. But I'll try to, I'll try to entertain you a little bit. I'll try to take your mind off it. I mean, if you're just sitting there, you know, Godspeed. And I hope that uh, you're getting the help you need to get if you're listening to this. And I hope that if you can help, you are helping. Uh, it's a natural disaster. Um, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big one. So that said, you know, when I really think about, you know, how random and how horrible these things can just come out of nowhere. Well, I mean, it comes out of somewhere, but I don't experience enough gratitude in my life. And I know things are awful for a lot of people and, and culturally things are disintegrating, perhaps uh, permanently. But I got to find some room for gratitude because I'm, I, you know, I can lose my mind a little bit and I, I guess I should let you in on something. Uh, it's not that big a deal, but um, I'm getting off nicotine again, and uh, it's really fucked up. I've done it before a few times. I mean, if you've been listening to this show for years, you remember maybe seven years ago I did it, and I interviewed Dane Cook, and that was the disaster. Sarah the Painter seems to think I did it a few years ago. I don't remember anymore. I got off him because I got nervous. I got, like, it just wasn't, the shit's just not working anymore. It's the biggest disappointment about having an addiction that uh, there comes a day where you're like, ah, this is just exhausting. My system's overworking. My organs are tired. It's not having the desired effect anymore. That mixture of caffeine and nicotine just making me nauseous. I think that's what it is. Anyways, if I seem edgy or I seem tense, you know, I, I got off the shit yesterday. It was a pretty fucked up day yesterday. Yeah, again, I'm not, you know, on top of my house looking at miles of water, but I am standing on top of my head trying to uh, get out. I just was like, I lost it by the end of the day. I, like the cravings come, and some of you know this when you quit something. You feel that, like, oh, this is the when I do it. This is when I do it. Oh, this is when I do it. And you're just like, no, no, no. And eventually that party, the, come on, man, this is when I do it. No, this we're not doing it. No, come on, this is it. This is where we feel better. Nope, not doing it. No, right now, right now. You fuck. Just give it to me. What the fuck? I will shred your brain. I will fucking just blow up everything you're thinking, mix it all up, and just make you a furious babbling idiot. With moments of brilliance. I will throw in moments of brilliance. But a furious babbling idiot if you don't fucking give us the shit that we need just to feel better. No, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. Oh, you fucking fuck. 
We're not, we're just not. Can we just not, can we just get through it? I'm gonna, I'm gonna burn everything fucking down in your brain and eventually by the end of the fucking day, you're gonna dump it on somebody. You're gonna fucking dump it on somebody because you're gonna want it out of you. It'll be like an exorcism. So if you don't feed me my shit, I'm gonna fucking just explode something in your fucking life that you're not gonna be able to hold it back. I'm not doing it. This is not a negotiation. All right. All right. Fine. Talk to you at the end of the day. And sure enough, I uh, I told Sarah the painter, I told my girlfriend, I'm like, you can't come over. You got to stay out because I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I don't know what's going to come out of me. You know, it's just, it's just, you got to just trust me on that. Stay away because it's going to want to unload the thing. The thing's going to want to unload. The hunger's going to want to unload because it's not getting fed. Like I have moments where I feel all right. It's like, come on, what's the big deal, man? What's the big deal? Just give it, just let's have one. Just one, man. Why don't you just, why don't you just reduce it? Why don't you just pull back a little? You know, like, let's just not have as many. Come on. And this is what I'm dealing with. No, this is what I'm dealing with all day. God, just give me one. All right. See, when I focus, I can do stuff, you know. Did I mention Jay Baruchel is on the show? I don't think I did. I don't think I did. Jay Baruchel, he wrote and directed the new movie Goon, Last of the Enforcers, which comes out Friday, September 1st. You might know him from uh, A Million Dollar Baby, Knocked Up, Tropic Thunder, which was great, Canadian actor. Just, uh, I, I like the guy. Always liked the guy. Always liked his acting. The Goon movie was good. I don't know much about hockey. I'll talk to him about that, but he's coming up here in a second. So I was on vacation. I'm back. I'm back in LA. It's hot. Again, it's it's hot, but it's not covered in water, which is horrifying. Uh, the whatever. You know, we, we need water sometimes, but you know what I'm saying. I uh, I was in New Mexico, and I got to tell you, the last few days were just great. We went up north to Abiquiu, which is where Georgia O'Keefe had her house and her studio. And I I like O'Keefe and I like her aesthetic. I like her paintings. I didn't know much about her, but I'll tell you, man, we've been up the, we've been in New Mexico like six days and, and and it wasn't until we drove up north out of Santa Fe towards Abiquiu that I really felt like, all right, now this is it. This is fucking beautiful. I mean I like Santa Fe, I like Albuquerque, I like northern New Mexico, but I'd not been up to Abiquiu and I was like this is where it's at. It just moved me. And we took a tour of O'Keefe's house and it was just beautiful. They, 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 the place is, is kept exactly how she left it. And you go, you move through her house and you move through some of her choices. Aesthetically, you see you know, her, her teapots and her coffee maker and her table. And you just see how she lived her life and the tour guide was good. He was informative. But it wasn't until we got out to the studio where she just had this huge window that looked out over this valley and mountains and Abiquiu and and just the whole feeling of the place. I've never really felt somebody in a room as much as I felt that and I got choked up looking out of the window of George O'Keefe's studio. And I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm emotional and I cry at weird times and, and probably more than I should, but, and then I don't cry when I should, but nonetheless... 
you know, having, you know, I'm very impressed with George O'Keefe, but I didn't, I don't have that much of a connection with her. I know her work, but she's not like, you know, I, I mean, she's a presence, but in my life, but you know what I mean? I don't, I'm not that attached. So I was surprised that I was moved to that amount of emotion. It just speaks to the power of that country, the power of that artist. It was pretty amazing, man. It was pretty amazing. And the undercurrent of my entire trip was this uh, weird bump in my mouth that I was pretty sure was mouth cancer, which obviously led to me uh, quitting nicotine today because not along with doing nicotine lozenges, sometimes I do a little dip occasionally. Not much, really not much, but I was like, of course, I'm the guy that gets the mouth cancer. Maybe I do. I don't know. But nonetheless, why is it that every time I go on vacation, there has to be this undercurrent of complete panic? I think, and this is when I go with uh, Sarah the Painter, Personally, I don't know. I don't know who you are, but I know I'm rel- I'm sort of emotionally complicated. I may be predictable and you may get me, but uh, sometimes I play tricks on myself and it seems that my preoccupation with whatever was in my mouth was a way of avoiding intimacy and uh, staying out of the present until I got to Abiquiu and stood in George O'Keefe's studio and looked out her window. Everything became much bigger than me. Thank God. Right? Right. Let's talk to Jay Baruchel. I, I, it's very hard for me not to pronounce it Baruchel. I got to talk to him about that. As I said before, he wrote and directed the new movie Goon, Last of the Enforcers, uh, which comes out Friday, September 1st. And it was, uh, it was really, uh, this is a great talk. It was great talking to this guy. I hope you enjoy it. And I hope it takes you away from anything that you want to be taken away from. How do you pronounce your last name right? I say, now there is no right, because technically right would be the Hebrew pronunciation, but yeah. the, but I say Baruchel. Baruchel. Yeah. Isn't that what most people say? I get, or some people go Baruchel. I get Baruchel. Baruchel. No, very few. Very seldom. <laughs> Baruchel. That's, that's, the, that's how it should be said. When you do the junket in Israel. That's exactly right. Baruchel. The Israelis don't believe that that's actually my last name. Really? Well, because it's fucking super full on. Yeah, like, no, if, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's usually, that's like the, the Jewish version of a name. A Filipina name. Right, yeah. right. Rosario Crucifixia. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like my Hebrew name. <laughs> It's, it's similar, like, my name is Mark Marin, but then when you go get your Hebrew name, it's Mikhail David Ruben Borah. <laughs> you know, it's like a whole legacy of... Uh, my friend Richard had the worst one, because there's nothing Hebrew about Richard, so in Hebrew, his Hebrew <laughs> name was Hanach. Uh, Hanach? <laughs> I don't know, they just make them up. <laughs> it's like, it's like close. It. Sounds like it. But, but wait, are you Jewish? Half. Well, what, which half? Uh, my dad, my yeah. dad, my dad. So technically, I'm nothing uh, because well, in Judaism, it's what your, I know, it's what I know. your mom is, and in Catholicism, it's what your dad is. Right. And the two cancel each other out for me. So, well, that's good. That's freedom, I suppose. So, or or crippling guilt. Yeah, on yeah. Both ends. Did yeah. you get that though? Oh, I have a really shitty joke that I've been telling you since I was a teenager. That oh, like, good. Well, that's a good setup. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> I say, let's get on with it. <laughs> It's uh, there's two very different, very potent forms of guilt. One makes me feel guilty for masturbating; the other for not returning phone calls. Uh, oh, good, good, yeah. <laughs> Boy, did you do stand up, or you just you just wrote that one day and you're like, just full of chutzpah? Yeah, this yeah. is a keeper. Yes, I. Yeah, this is how I'm gonna. It summed do. it all up pretty well. But uh, but like uh, there a lot of times it took me a, lot, a while to realize that there is a huge uh, Canadian Jewish community, big time. 
Yeah, Big time. and old. It's old school too. Yeah, no, it is. It's yeah. it's it's uh, it been there since uh, technically in in Montreal and Toronto since like yeah end of the uh, end of the nineteenth century. And right the, when and there's trade, there's Jews. That's <laughs> it's like what we can make money on fur. And here's like a morbid statistic is is uh, slightly morbid, which is like yeah Montreal probably not so much anymore but right. for a long time Montreal uh, world's uh, third highest population of holocaust survivors that's because that was one of the places they went yep yeah now, I don't know Israel's hot <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's it that's it get on this boat that's exactly right that's it, exactly it, it right. must be and our cousins are in New York that's, yeah, that's right. the idea so there's yeah the port Montreal port in Ellis Island that's exactly right Israel no that that, those are the three options yeah. right yeah. wow that's in, that's interesting but, but they've been there since oh so you're saying since that or before that? I think before that as well. Like, Usually when there's fur trading and there's that's right. There's money to be made through exchange. Well, it's like when you're talking about Jewish diaspora, which one? There's fucking that's right. thousands of them because yeah. for- you Spanish know, Inquisition, yeah. the purge. But you know, sometimes they just left, I the, think. Yeah, and, Spanish, so, and, and, and so on my dad's side, the, the Baruchels, we, we are Sephardic. So we are not of that sort of traditional what most people- that Eastern are. European. Yeah, no, not at all. No, we, we were from- uh, 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 Italy, event, uh, originally, yeah, um, and then chased out of Italy and settled in uh, Algeria uh, and Palestine. Oh, and, really? And Egypt, and we were in Alexandria, Egypt, for generations, which was used to be the world capital of Sephardic Jews. Wow, you did the homework. You did the research. I'm just, just a huge history nerd. This is this was passed down to you, <laughs> yes, Alexandria, Egypt. Yep. That's where you guys hung out. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Now, uh, up until, um, what's his face? Uh, Nasser. Yeah. Oh, that long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and the story in our family was that, yeah, that one day, you know, we'd been there for God knows how long. And then one day uh, we were just sort of told, um, you own nothing. You're not welcome here. Get the hell out. Yeah. Well, sadly, I'm waiting for that day here. So I'm, I'm hoping. <laughs> Boy, yeah, I know. Tell me about it. Eh? So I'm like, there's all these things. It's so funny. I've been talking about it on stage. Like, there were things. Like, I always liked going to Canada. Mm-hmm. But there was a there's a moment as an American the first time you go to Toronto or Montreal where mm. you're like well it's kind of like America but there's no edge to it it's a little slow it's kind of like there, there's no anxiety there's no panic yeah. just day to day life and, you know there was a shot you know when you first go to Montreal or Toronto you're like why is that guy just sitting outside on a bench at ten thirty <laughs> what kind of crate there are people walking <laughs> you know. I, uh, but now I'm sort of like sounds good, sounds relaxing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Although th- that's the thing, a lot of our our um, our political issues and all of our sort of big debates don't yeah. make it down here. So the sort of narrative of Canada as the big pastoral, huge version of Minnesota and Vermont, yeah, yeah. which it is in a large in a lot of way. But it also you don't know how the sausage gets made, and we have our own issues. No, I'm sure we're divisive about enough stuff. Yeah, yeah, especially in Montreal, yes, right? Yes, and 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 also there's like our our, our big shame, the, yeah. the the big cross to bear in Canada is our relationship with our native community, right? Which um, I'm constantly amazed that that doesn't seem to be a narrative down here at all. America seems to have made peace with the fact that they I don't know got if they I don't know if they've made peace. I think years ago they're like we gave them the casinos. <laughs> 
so they're they they're somehow they so it's okay it. so yeah, everything's yeah. fine yeah, so they got money coming yeah, back that's, in that's how much right. do they need <laughs> no it's a it's a it's a heinous uh part of history and, it is but as a national storyline yeah it should be more that's all i'm you know and it's because it's it it's all consuming in canada it's a part of our narrative it's in the headlines every single day there's a multi-million dollar inquiry happening right now into missing and murdered indigenous women because like if you're born uh, native and female in canada yeah. you're six times more likely to die a violent death really yeah at and, the hands of who uh well take your pick yeah there's really? there's a yeah and and there's a massive cultural disconnect and Canada, finally, we're owning up to it and doing what needs to be done, at least to explore and try to figure out how we can make stuff better. For so long, though, I suspect we didn't yeah. because it went against our superiority thing of thinking we're better than America. Right. And and this was the sort of dirty little secret that uh, that didn't dovetail with the rest of our branding as the sort of liberal north. And, but, but how much of, uh, like, it, it, how integrated is that community? Do they still... You know, are there still large, you know, populations, you know, throughout yeah. that yeah. are, were they subjugated to uh, ghettoization and yeah. reservations? Yeah, and- that's ex- so precisely right. So, so there's the, a great deal of them live in reser- reservations, uh, which is, you know, listen, I'm not from that community, so I can't speak to it. And I know people from those communities who prefer living there than they would in the cities. Uh-huh. Um, but also, there are cities like Winnipeg where you have a marginalized, ghettoized population of natives in the urban cities, in the urban community. And and it's like, it's this, my friend put it perfectly, my friend Jacob Tierney put it to me 10 years ago. He yeah. said, if white people were dying at the rate that natives are dying, there would be a billion dollar inquest into figuring out what the hell is wrong. Sure, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like now they're going to do a... a uh, a, a sort of national emergency over the opioid epidemic. Yeah. Uh, now, unlike the crack epidemic, right? I, I, it, it's funny how that happens. Eh? Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a it's it's uh, fighting the good fight is a, is a tough tough. <laughs> they don't thing, make it easy nowadays. No, it's and... fucking scary. But everybody seems to love your prime minister. I I don't know him, <laughs> but I I feel like you know like in my fantasies, if you know things got so awful here that I I like he you know publicly he presents a persona like I could probably call that guy like. If <laughs> like I, you know, now that I know Jay, <laughs> that's right. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, no, he's. I'm. I'm a. I'm an avowed fan, and and I come by it honestly. I I I have voted Liberal Party pretty much since I was 18. Yeah. My parents did. My grandparents yeah. did. And my mom was a huge fan of his father. And um and I think his wife was uh, his father's wife was was pretty uh, yes she was a she was she got out she got into some trouble she did uh, Maggie with, with, with the, the Rolling Stones with Mick Jagger yeah and then and then and then Pierre dated uh, went to the Oscars I think with Barbara Streisand did he now is Maggie his mom <laughs> yep no kidding yeah that's is right. she still around. I don't know. I actually. wonder. I'm not sure. The I'm old man's sure. gone, right? Yes, he is. He passed yeah, yeah. away. Yeah, and that was a that was that was a big sad sort of national day of mourning because that's our our longest serving prime minister. He had three terms for us. Like I remember not knowing anything about politics, but knowing him. Yeah, he was. Well, he was one of these guys. He was uh, erudite yeah. and dressed super well yeah. and very charismatic right. and just like and captured that sort of '60s '70s kind of yeah. re- Renaissance man zeitgeist. Sure, he was you know? a groovy guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, like when, exactly. That back when the the New York intelligentsia meant something. That's when, when you know most of culture was dictated yeah. by what was going on on the Dick Cavett show. Th- that's exactly <laughs> precisely. And yeah. then he rolls into the Oscars wearing uh, sandals and no socks. Like the uh, guy was a gangster. Nice. Yeah. At least he didn't wear a Canadian tuxedo, <laughs> yeah. which I do occasionally. Yeah, we all have to every once in a while. <laughs> 
So uh, now you live there still. Yeah, I do. And that's a choice. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you must have been here for a while. I mean, I've been coming down here on and off since You've I was You've never 18. lived here. I, I, no, that's not true. I, I've done stints. I've done stints, but but um, it was never home. Yeah. Simple as that. You yeah. got brothers and sisters? One little sister. Oh, you got a little sister. Yeah, yeah. And what's your, what, what are your parents, what's their business? What's their racket? Um, uh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, my dad passed in 04. Bef- Sorry, buddy. Uh, oh, thank you. Um, but before he passed, uh, he was a... Um, he got most of this out of his system before I was born, but yeah, my my dad was a big like uh, he was a hood, he was a drug dealer, and uh, really, yeah, yeah, and went to prison the whole nine yards. Really, and, um, when I was a kid, though, he sort of had stopped that stuff for the most part, you know, as much as he could. But all the all of the friends that he'd bring over, like all the adults in my house, were all guys that are like no longer in Canada, or if they're in Canada, they're like in cemeteries. Well, see that like for me, like, but I I learned better. But there's there's part of me that you know uh, kind of uh, stereotypically goes like a Jewish drug dealer, you know like there there's I have that moment, right. but like you know there's Jewish gangsters, you yes, know, Jews do a lot of things, you yeah, know. Meyer Lansky, business is business. Yeah, Meyer Lansky, Lansky would have helped design to say, the American mob. Yeah, no shit. Sure, no Longies Wilman. There's a long history of yeah, big <laughs> Jewish time. criminals, big time. And and my dad, although my dad really. Um, he didn't run with uh, Henry Kissinger, uh, another <laughs> famous Jewish criminal. Famous Jewish Woody Allen, famous Jewish criminal. Um, but my, my my father ran with uh, the West End Gang, which is an Irish gang in in, in the west side of the city, and um, and it all came from. My dad had the fight in him. He moved there. My, his family moved to Canada when he was like four years old, and they didn't move from Egypt. Uh, from France, they oh. had gone from Egypt to France to Montreal, and they didn't move to one of the great Jewish communities in Montreal. Yeah. They moved to a very French neighborhood where uh, they were the only Jews on the block. Is that and where he met your mom? He, no, mom. he met mom at a nightclub. Fucking hell. And then they, they had dated for six weeks, and then someone dared them to get married, and they fucked off to Montego Bay, Jamaica, and got married. And, and then six months after that, mom's visiting him at prison. Oh, my God. <laughs> she was this, like, country girl, and she had only been in the city for a year or two, and then all of a sudden, she's, like, the drug dealer's wife. And she stayed together. They stayed together. She roof over her head and food in my belly and um no kidding so you so he did a stint in the can and then he tried to go legit and sold microchips um but legit microchips yes as as legit as an an ex-drug dealer (laughs) the microchip business going right from drugs (laughs) to microchips already suspect he'd sell anything he'd sell that was my dad because like and then on their weekends they would sell antiques restore and sell antiques my my father was just a chaser and like i i grew up in a real haggle culture and 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 my dad could just like he would claim he could sell sand to an Arab was his term. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he uh, so he was in this French Canadian neighborhood. Yeah. Yep. Which and and that's where he sort of took to the streets. Yeah. And started fighting. Um, he started dealing at thirteen or fourteen. Um, what? Uh, first pot, then cocaine. Okay. Um, and and cocaine's where he made most of, made and lost most of them. in the seventies, eighties. Yeah. And uh, he was like the guy with all the party favors, and mom mom was the model on his arm, and they just cut the line and went to the nightclub. Oh. Disco disco assholes. So he probably knew Maggie Trudeau. I, they definitely crossed paths. I hear all these. I would get these snapshot yeah, yeah. anecdotes from like seventies Coke Montreal discos of like 
Tony Bennett and Leslie Nielsen coming through and all this weird shit. I remember shit. your dad. <laughs> that kind of stuff? Yeah. and um, He was a character. That's it. And, yeah. and then they fucked off to Florida, Tele- Tallahassee, Florida for a Tallahassee year. Tallahassee of all places. Yeah, there was- Not was, even beach or nice- It was what? close to Columbia. And, uh, oh, uh, yeah, and so like, before the shit went down. And literally the first pet. That I grew up with, our German yeah. Shepherd when I was a kid. Was, her name was Coca. Yeah, come on. I He's, swear to God, he was really in. I swear not, to God, not hiding much. Both of them, both of them. No difference is, is, and my namesake, who I'm fucking named after, just speaks to this awful life that they were living. But um, because mom, when she found out she was pregnant, that day on yeah. cold turkey, nothing, hadn't done anything, and not since, didn't look back since. Oh, she stopped doing right dr- away drinking and booze. She was no like, drugs. That's, uh, "This is yeah. it." Yeah, uh, uh, my. Fa- my father did not, um, and <laughs> and I'm Jay, but my real Jay's for me is short for Jonathan. My name is Jonathan, and I asked mom, "Who am I? Am I named after somebody?" Yeah, and it, and I might as well not be. It's pretty fucking arbitrary who I'm named after. Do you remember? A TV show with Robert Wagner called Heart to Heart. Yeah, sure. And his character's name was Jonathan Hart. No, that's who you named after. And then he—it was the two of them. They were yeah. like a couple. Uh, what was a, her name? They're like Private Eyes or yeah, something. Private Eyes, yeah. yeah. I kind of remember that. So that's who I'm named after is Jonathan fucking Hart. A character on that a TV Robert show. Wagner played for what two seasons? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's bizarre. It's awful. And had I been a girl, I'd have been jazz. And my parents hate jazz music. So put that. Yeah. So that's well, just, that's what your sister's name is. No, thank God she's Taylor. They got, Taylor. She got normal. All right. Well, that's pretty normal. Yeah. So so did he die of uh, natural causes? No, he had an overdose of forty nine. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Of what? Uh, well, in the uh, his his sort of nightly cocktail would be uh, do you know Dilaudid's? Yeah. Oh wow. So he Hardcore. was yeah Dilaudid's and vodka, and he would like he he do a, a pint of vodka every night. And, so he was gone. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. So that that's a that disease, uh, alcoholism, addiction. It's, it's a big one. And forty nine's young. And it's something I know a lot about, and and I have very strong and specific opinions about it. Um, and uh, well, you're lucky you didn't get it. I did. I am, and and I had it was fifty fifty because um, so dad's family are all drunks. Really, mom's family, strangely, the Irish side of me, no one. There's this really crippling alcohol allergy that my mom has, my grandmother has. So they're companions to drunks. Yes, and you, you and got some of the codependent that's, Irish. That's it, and I had fifty percent <laughs> chance of being allergic to liquor or an alcoholic, and I thank God inherited mom's terrible tolerance. <laughs> And you, uh, do you find yourself uh, dating troubled people? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, no more than anyone else, I suspect. Okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I know it because you know, I got, I'm got i sober 18 years. Yeah, mazel tov. Thank you. Just the other day. That's amazing. But, you know, the, the mindset of it, yeah. you know, how you're brought up yeah. and what you grew up, you know, your part of your brain looks to recreate that sure. at every turn. Sure. And it's hard to it's hard to shake it because yeah. it feels right. Yeah. And a lot of times when you come from crazy, yeah. you're going to find yourself in crazy. Yeah. It, if, if, for, if only for familiarity's sake. Well, yeah. yeah. And it, but it happens at such a deep level yeah. you can't even figure it out. Like sometimes they seem normal for yeah. a month or no, two. No, I know. And, yeah. And, and it, especially... This industry has a lot of people that one of the first lessons I learned when I first started coming down here yeah. was that uh, there's a difference between being good at chatting and being a good person. And there's a lot of people <laughs> here that are very good at talking. Uh-huh. And, and and when you come from a normal place, yeah. meeting someone that is good at has the gift of gab, you're like, yeah. oh, cool, I can connect with this person. Well, fucking everybody down here is good sure. at talking. Yeah. And so it took, Work in the angle. it took me a year before I was like, oh... 
oh, they can string a sentence together. That doesn't mean they have a conscience. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they seem to like me. That doesn't mean they <laughs> that, do. That means garbage. <laughs> Total fuck all. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're looking for what they can get. Uh, always, always. And your mom stayed with them till the end. Uh, no, no. Oh. They, they, she had, they, 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 she had, she got into her wits end about uh, seven years before he passed. And what does she do? Uh, well, she was, uh, she was a homemaker um, for for most of my life, and then, um, and then when my folks split up, and uh, and my dad uh, didn't have a pot to piss in, so didn't have any child support to throw our way whatsoever, and I started kind of paying our bills at fourteen. Um, no kidding, you were that child actor. Yep. Yeah. Um, but but always with the caveat, my mom never. She made it abundantly clear. I do not depend on my son. Right. We're a family. You have the money now. We'll take care of you. But by the way, you want to stop tomorrow, you stop tomorrow. She said it to me very specifically. She says, we do poor very well. Yeah. Okay? So we will go back to being poor very easily. And my mom attested- No guilt in that? None whatsoever. No, the opposite. But but in the back of your mind, you're like, man, we may do it well, but- (laughs) No, I I don't mind it. I, 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 because like, there's like, everything's fun and everything, and everything's a treasure. And I grew up like with very little money in our house. Sporadic um, money, yeah, if any, yeah. and 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 so and it and necessity is the mother of invention. So it, I had a much more interesting, rewarding childhood than a lot of my friends who grew up with not a single care in the world. Right. And mom told me at nine that I am no one's going to give me anything. I remember right. saying to her because I'd see all these American movies that filled my head with nonsense. That like I turn sixteen and my parents will get me a car or some stupid thing. And yeah. so I said to her, I said. When I'm 16, I get a license, you'll get me a car? She said, absolutely not. She's like, if you decide you want a car, I'll tell, help you figure out how to save your money. I was uh-huh. like, oh, but you'll send me to university. She said, no. Once again, if you decide at 18 you want to go to university, I'll help you figure out how to save your money. Uh-huh. But I'm not sending you anything. You're going to be a grown-up. You'll buy it yourself. And thank fuck I got that because yeah. so many people I know got out of university with this god-awful sense of entitlement that they yeah. had done their four years and wasted 200 grand or however fucking much money they spent. Right. And now they feel that they've, they're owed something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've never without felt- do it, Without getting any skills necessarily. Right. At school. Or, or, or you know, getting your getting dirty and fucking suffering for it. And because and, and they, they think school's suffering enough, right? And, right? and I just always was raised to know big bad world, um, you got no one to trust but your friends and your family, and no one's gonna give anything to you. Yeah, and I'm much, I much, I, I'm, a, and I'm, it's, it's seen me in good stead. Yeah, no, I think that's a, I think it's a good thing to learn. You know that this idea that everybody can be rich uh, has horse really, shit. well, it is, horseshit. It's, it's, it's horseshit, and also like I think it d- diminishes people's. Yep. You know, uh, engagement. Agreed. With trying to do something. Yes. When I, I was exactly right. The old fucking thing was, what do you want? What's the house you want, the car you want, the mm. life you want? Mm. How hard and long do you have to work to get there? Yeah. Do that. And mm. now, as my friend points out, every morning someone's on Facebook, sees a, their friend's TV or car or backyard or like, oh, I want that. And, and that's fine. But rather than the metric of how can I work to get that, it's... How can I have this tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, how can I get credit? How can I get... It's, well, yeah. I, I don't know what I wanted. Like, I, I always want... I, I just wanted to feel okay. 
Right. Yeah, that's fucking a perfectly reasonable thing. I'm man. living in a crumbling house. I could probably get a better house now, but I don't even want that. It's just want to be okay. Yeah, normal. But yeah, I know it's. I guess it's really hard for people to know what the hell they want to do when they don't have to do it. Yeah, very, right? very, very true. Like that's the weird thing. Like people who have to fucking do shit. You figure it out. You figure it out. You're because your other option is homelessness or death. Yeah, yeah. Like honestly, or or living on the dole for the rest of your life, and like, and and I I just it bums me out that people aren't. Um, every generation has less staying power than the one before it, you know, and, and, and more access and more convenience yes, and more, yes. you know, like distractions. Yep. And yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around all of it to, because I mean, you're not exactly saying pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You're saying like, I'll oh, just get engaged somehow. Find Do something. something, give a shit yeah. and, and work. That's yeah. the other thing. Or if you're not going to give a shit and you don't know what you want to do, try and help some other people. Right, right. Or, maybe or, or if not, keep your fucking mouth shut and just sit there then and know that you've got, <laughs> you figured it out. You're gaming the system in some way, but this, there, there's, there's this awful need of like self-branding that maybe it's a function of social well, media also, culture right and but we're also in a specific world that yeah, you know yeah. it, 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 nurt true. it nurtures a certain delusion yes. on behalf of people who want to yeah. be involved yeah. in it Very true. so there's a lot of self-branding and those brands aren't taking <laughs> <laughs> not at all no no kidding <laughs> but there's no one to tell them they're not they're yeah. like i got uh, 200 likes on this i'm like I, all right so. and and what and and i honestly I, I think it, this is going to sound like an exaggeration, but I really think that has terrible repercussions on like discourse because I've oh, noticed okay. I've seen this awful thing. Um, I'm someone who would probably most of my beliefs would probably be described as liberal mm -hmm. and and I am constantly offended at how people that are like supposed to be ideological allies of mine don't actually try to convince people that are opposed to them. Yeah. They just scream their opinion louder. Or get defensive. Yeah, get defensive. Or call them uh, names. Hope they get that retweet that they. Yeah, I yeah. got that stinging dig in there. Yeah. I won that fight. Yeah. Well, you fucking didn't because the country and culture are suffering because of it. Yeah. I firmly believe your goal should be to try to convince this person of your beliefs. Yeah, bridge to get. Right? Yeah. And the only way you're going to do that is by trying your best to not get their back up and not, and and to and to find common ground. You you well, grew you, up like me. You you're you're trying to pay your taxes and feed yourself, right? Mm -hmm. We're doing the same thing. But in defense of some of that, you don't want to start a DM relationship with uh, kill all Jews. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> yeah. No, obviously there's 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 a scale. There's a tier system. There's a triage system to it, you know. You don't want to, at Hitler is right is not going to be your friend. <laughs> no. At at coming race war <laughs> Yeah. is not the guy that I need to be. Although, to, to be honest, an argument could be made that like, if I don't try to convince that man of my, or at least try to plant the Find seed. Find some common ground. Right, then then that's how bad shit happens. And I know that it works. I I, I don't, often get into political arguments on Twitter because I believe that I don't get on I'm not I, I got off it altogether I just use it for promotion yep. and occasionally answer some questions I get it and and for me it was I believe that if you share a viewpoint you should have you should have the patience to then defend it if you don't have that in you and the appetite keep it to yourself that's why we vote behind a curtain is my opinion right and once in a while I get into it and I had said something last year during the American election I yeah. was quite pissed at uh, at the Muslim ban that he was trying to run on. Yeah. And I called him a fucking brown shirt on yeah. Twitter. And of course, that opened up a whole hell of beans on yeah. me. The army of brown shirts yeah, the, arm, the army of brown shirts. The, the uh, army of unfuckable hate nerds. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Sturm Abteilung yeah. came at me en masse. 
And what I was so mad about was the Jewish people that tried to call me a traitor to my people for saying that. And I would have these sort of very kind of Netanyahu... Anti-Muslim Jewish people. Exactly. And they would accuse me of betraying my ethnicity. And I got bloody mags. I said, no, it's because of my ethnicity. Because my parents and grandparents and people that looked like me and have my surname have been fucking marginalized and painted as the big bad other for the better part of 500 years. Go No, 500, fuck that. 2,000 years, 3,000 years. Right. That's why I, I it behooves us. We should know fucking better. Yeah. That's where it comes from. How dare you? Fuck that. And that pisses me the fuck off. Well, yeah, and all the triangulation just it just mutes everything. Yes, it does. Yeah. Like echo chambers screaming at each other. Yeah, and it just but like that whole thing where you can't like there's within each subgroup there are subgroups and there are divisions. <laughs> yep. You know, on the left, you know, on the right. Yep. But when the left starts to break apart, you know, you it really starts it really kind of continues to fragment. Yep. To where there's just yep. like a group of two people yeah, that that's are it. really against <laughs> that's, glue. Yeah. You know, like, you know, that's right. And very, very grossed out and offended anytime someone mentions glue. glue exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's hard to get on the same page. So like, but you weren't brought up politically active. Oh, actually I was. No, I, in a big way. Yeah. Um, well, what about, like, what was your relationship with your grandparents? I mean, your, your father's parents, yeah. they must have had some ideological yes know, kind of angle. well yeah big time so my 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 dad's mom converted to judaism she was a french woman from normandy that met my grandpapa and got married and converted so when she was before she was jewish she was a child in normandy when the germans conquered it oh my god and then she became jewish yeah so um they you know they had very strong opinions about that stuff you know like we were a never a german car family. a lot of converts are really jewish oh yeah yeah pride of the convert <laughs> is what they call it because they put the work in that's like nobody from new york likes New York as much as people that just moved there. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All my friends from there are like, yeah, it's a great town. It's where I grew up, but it's just a city. Yeah. Everyone right. that moved there thinks oh it's my the, God. oh my God, have you tried this place? Yeah. And it's just so freeing. I can walk anywhere. Right. You know. Um, so no German cars. Uh, no German cars. And so on that side, and then on mom's side, my granddad was a career soldier um, and was uh, then in the first, one of the first UN peacekeeping missions in Cyprus. And I, and, and like I said, and like a great deal of my uncles and cousins on my mom's side, all military, most of my mom's sisters married soldiers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I grew up in a very sort of on that side, incredibly patriotic uh, belief system because um, like my, my uncle Ron in addition to being a soldier he was a Mountie for 35 years he guarded the he guarded Her Majesty the Queen as well as Pope John Paul II um, and this is like a big point of pride in our family yeah and so we have seen Canada as ours and ours to serve for yeah. generations right and and I'm probably imbuing a bit of romance on it because my mom's family were just poor and soldiers are good poor people jobs yeah um, but there was always a sense of uh, of patriotism and honor to it and it was like my great lump in my throat the great shame in my life is that I never joined the army really and never went to Royal Military College in Kingston uh, college cottage yeah Royal Military College in Kingston it was something that f- from three years old I said mom I want to be a soldier like Uncle Doug and you felt Uncle the need to, to serve and mom would be like and having grown up on that culture in that culture having seen like the good side of it with my granddad but maybe some of the bad side of it as well yeah uh, she wanted to keep me as far away from as possible and then we moved back to quebec we left quebec in 88 anglos moved to toronto like a lot of them did 
we moved back to Quebec in 93. There was a provincial election in 94 and a referendum in 95. When we moved back to Montreal, everyone was telling my father, you're going the wrong way down the 401. And within a year of us getting back to Montreal, my father started his own political party with two of his friends. And so I, I at 12, 13, I was watching my dad on the debate circuit. And um, He's a real, uh, real hustler, huh? Yeah. <laughs> What was his political party based on? So it was an issue party. They didn't expect to get any seats whatsoever. It was purely, um, they wanted to make sure that everyone was aware what this the true uh, issue in this election was. Uh, was that if was you, it about secession? And so, and that for whatever reason, that wasn't the biggest narrative at that point. And so dad's party, the Canada exclamation mark party, was there to debate and bandy about this idea to everyone that if you elect this party you can expect a referendum inside of a year. And and so I watched Dad, learned how to debate, and then was on the debate team myself, but I watched this, I had a very grassroots vital introduction into Canadian politics, and then so fucking grassroots that, so my dad's party didn't have a pot to piss in, he made his own posters. He literally just went to the fucking metro station, got in the, fo the photo booth, took out the photo that looked the least like Saddam Hussein, because my yeah. father's very Sephardic and looked very much like Saddam Hussein. Yeah. He then went to the photocopy store, <laughs> made up a bunch, and then staple gunned them to trees. Sure. Everyone else was tying them to light posts. And so in like very progressive lefty Montreal. So we can't a, staple shit to tree. At a, at a certain point, we saw these people writing, thanks for killing the tree, asshole. All this little like <laughs> bubble writing. Yeah, it was amazing. What's interesting in the, in the haze of, uh, 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 dubious uh, employment. <laughs> yeah. Your father found it uh, to take it upon himself to create a political party. Very smart man. That's yeah. what it was. Just like a, a fiercely, fiercely intelligent man. Did he raise? Did did his debating and presence you know provoke anything like uh, in dialogue around? Oh, the issue? definitely. And he was asked to join one of the bigger parties because my dad could always fucking argue better than anybody. My dad liked fighting, period. Yeah. Whether it was a fist fight or an argument, he just had the fight in him, and he was fucking good at it. And uh, and so he got he was asked to to join the the, the Canadian uh, Quebec version of the Progressive Conservative Party, uh, turned them down. Um, but yeah, no, he it I learned so much, and and I and it made me understand um, that these institutions are ours. Right. There was never a disconnect. Right. I, I, you know what I mean? The capital yeah. never felt far away. And I, to me, I posit that that's America's biggest problem, is the average taxpayer voter feels a billion miles away from the capital. Yeah, and, but, but, but some of that has to do with, um, you know, I, I don't think it's intentional. No. I think there's just a disconnect. There's a massive disconnect. That, that, you know, that these people actually do anything. Yeah, oh, 100%. And and that's why there's always a kernel of truth in anything in any bad lie. And so the one thing that righties and lefties in the States can both agree on is the system doesn't work. That's well, yeah, the one thing everyone says. But, but they also, you know, outside of people gaming the system and, and mobilizing people who who may not know better, uh, they, they don't realize that it's their system. They should own, and they own it. Yeah. You know what I've never heard? This was a very telling thing, because the, the time that I was in the States the most consistently yeah. was from 2000 through 2005, which right. is a very colorful era. Yeah. And something that I constantly heard that always uh, 
gave my spider made my spider senses tingle was when I heard all these people talk about W and said we have to support the president. We're at war. We have to support the president. Right. And I was like, he's not the fucking god emperor. He's your employee. And the weird thing is, is that like and this was this is the most mind blowing thing I learned recently that I can't remember his last name, but he used to work for McCain. He's a pundit. He's on the shows now. Mm-hmm. But he said that when Nixon resigned. Mm-hmm. He still had like a twenty nine percent approval rate. Fuck yeah! So there's always going to be hundred percent those people. Yeah. Like you know, do you believe that the president's the president? Yeah, died in the wool, That's no matter it. what. Yeah. yeah. So what made you get into the acting? Oh, uh, really? A, a super simple thing. My dad found a brochure for like a once a week kids <laughs> acting class when I was twelve. <laughs> Your dad's a he got he's working the angle. And I uh, so I started taking these courses uh, yeah. and uh, I I auditioned for um, a student film uh, that these kids were making and they couldn't afford to pay anybody and uh and they and i and i got the gig yeah. and i met a pro actor who was doing a favor on that movie recommended me to their agent and um and mom said to me you want to go to film school you want to be a director which is what i've wanted since i was nine yeah she said this is the best film school in the world and so literally every day on set since i'm 12 has been film school for me oh yeah yeah and uh so what were your first because i we were in a movie together were we yeah I was in Almost Famous. Holy fuck. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Another yeah, yeah. bit part like mine? Yeah, a smaller bit part. What really. did you do? I was the angry promoter who chased the bus. Amazing. Lock the gate. Amazing. Yeah, that's me. There's a few of us that are bit parts in that movie that did pretty good. Yeah, Mitch Hedberg was in it. Nick Schwartzen was in right. it. That's right. That's right. Mitch Hedberg. I don't think he had a, uh, I don't know if he had a line, but he was in the poker scene. Yes, that's right. Nick Schwartzen is the guy who went, David Bowie. Yeah, yeah that's and, right. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people in that movie. Hedberg, Hedberg's favorite of all time. I got to see him live at Just yeah. for Laughs when I was 16. That was a big one. Oh, yeah? Was he on his game? Yes, he fucking was. Oh, good. Yes, he was. Well, yeah, yeah, he was great. And it's a weird thing about Mitch is that his stuff is so... Uh, it, it holds up. Yes, it does. He's yeah, my because, favorite ever. Yeah, because like it's not hinged to... No, 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 no. ...to uh, anything really personal. There's, it's all observation. Yeah, all. and there's nothing about it any specific era. Yeah, it's like poetry. Yes, yeah. It just makes sense, and yeah. it will always make sense. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. He's, uh, it's sad that he's gone. Yeah. So, But that was like one of your first movies, yeah. huh? But it was not your first gig, obviously. No, but it was my first job in the States. But yeah. what was your first movie? Uh, well, my first gig ever, first a gig, day on, yeah, it was yeah, a TV gig, probably. It was. I, I got killed in the opening of an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, the Nickelodeon <laughs> show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then you just did a lot of Canadian stuff. Yep. But as a kid, yeah, and then and then I had. Were like, you ever like a teen sensation or anything in Canada? Or? I wouldn't say that, but I was on a kid show that a lot of kids watched. Which one? It's called Popular Mechanics for Kids. Uh huh. And um and it's still the thing I'm recognized most for in Canada. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and uh and uh. Or, I mean, most people know the rest of the career and think they're being very clever by being like, "Hey, you know what I'm, you know, you know, you know what I'm a fan of." Yeah. PMK. Yeah. And I'll be like, yeah, motherfucker, everyone says it. You know, you're the first guy. As a child. Yeah. Fuck. Done some other stuff. By the way, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Uh, No, but I, but also because my ambition was to go to film school, I had thought I'd act till the work kind of dried up and I got to that awkward stage that every kid gets to where I'm no longer a cute kid and I'm not like a man. I'm just this gangly fucking idiot. Yeah. And so, and I stopped getting auditions. And so I was like, okay, great. So, uh, hopefully, whatever... At what age were you, 15? 18. 18. Uh, I was like, whatever money I have saved o- saved up, I'll uh, go to film school, and then I'll just uh, live, I'll get like a normal job, Yeah. and then I'll write indie scripts and right. hope to try and make indie films in Montreal for the rest of my life. So I, so I was already done acting, and then 
I got this gig on the on the judge show undeclared, and and man, well, here I am. But but no, but you did big parts though, man. Be, you know, before that, I mean, I I mean, you're making it sound like everything dried up. But like the first time I think I registered you yeah. was in Million Dollar Baby. Oh, wicked! Thank you. That's that, but that was great. Thank you. Yeah, that's after that's I st- once. I, st- uh, I still get choked up when you get all beat up. Uh, like just thinking about you getting beat it's up. It's a sad one. Yeah, it's oh, a real man. sad one. Yeah, it's, it's rough, it's, dude. It's a heavy. You're thing. just this wide open kid, and yeah. Then, like, uh, yeah, it ended man. up being so much heavier, I think, than any of us necessarily bargained for. I, really, I think Clint knew it was going to be heavy. Oh no, Clint knew the whole movie was a bummer, yeah. but I think that particular scene was a bit harder than we all anticipated. Oh, but that was actually after. Yeah, Undeclared. that's that's after the sort of everything. Everything, so everything sort of, did sort of shit the bed. And and anything that you know me from is from Post Undeclared. Really? Most likely. Yeah. So how did Judd find you? Uh, casting director for that show uh, went to go see Almost Famous, and I guess that I like resonated. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was home. The Led Zeppelin kid. Yeah. And I was at my mom's house. I was in my sister's bedroom playing PlayStation. The home phone rings as... Hello, this is so-and-so from Allison Jones Casting in Los Angeles. I'm like, yeah. Like, is this Jay? I'm like, it is. Like, we saw you in Almost Famous. We'd love, we think we'd, you'd be great to audition for the Untitled Judd Apatow Project. Was, yeah, fuck, what else? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Hold on, I'm almost done with this game. Well, yeah. I'm not, and then that's kind of how it happened. That's And then that built, that started that relationship. Yep. So you didn't know Seth or Evan or anybody before you met Judd. That's it. Like I, you know, there's this idea that all Canadian funny people know each other, but you don't. You don't. <laughs> well, Canada's a very big fucking country. Vancouver's I know, very a, far from Montreal, but it's a small it entertainment is. industry. It is totally. But but Seth wasn't in it before. Right, that's true. He all he did was like some stand up in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. So all right, so you do not undeclare, but then all the movies come knocked up. You're great in that. Thank you. Tropic Thunder, uh, I think, is like one of the great uh, uh, underrated satirical masterpieces. I think so, too. I think history will be very kind to it. I think what has to happen... I mean, it's not that people hate the movie. Like, already quite a good amount of goodwill for it, but... It's a deep movie. I, I think it gets overlooked as, yes, as, yes. as deep as it was. Precisely. And I think what's going to happen to it will be the, the Blade Runner Scarface thing, where once the kids that were 10 when that movie came out go, right. go to film school and analyze yeah. it then we'll have a cult of appreciation truly for it yeah it's a real smart movie it really fucking is <laughs> you know? and we knew it like I remember Nolte saying to me he's like this is gonna be like strange love and I was like you're fucking <laughs> right man it really could be and and that's like a lofty thing to compare and I'm sure I'll get I'm sure a lot ben of hate would saying love to hear, that. hear that but but I honestly think history will regard it I don't know about as kindly as Strange Love, but in that vein. Well, I was, I, you know, I've watched it several times and, and after seeing, because like the stuff that like oddly that pops out as, you know, as for me outside of the war stuff was the celebrity stuff. Yeah. I mean, that stuff. Scathing. Was, it's scathing, but it's deep. Yeah. You know, when he's like, you know, with his like wooden Oscar and I shit. Know. I mean, it's weird it's shit. It's insane. And, it's weird and, shit. And born of reality. Yeah. And, and, and Downey like, is great. Yes. Yes. And what's amazing is, so obviously we were all very well versed in talking points about that. <laughs> like we were just like, this is going to be an issue. So yeah. what none of us anticipated that was the real issue, because that <clears throat> we didn't seem that didn't seem to uh, trigger an negative yeah. reaction. What did was the um, full retard right. run. That's what got more attention big than time. the, the racial issue. Big time. We had we had protesters at the premiere and stuff. And, right. And, and I was like, I understand. And it's not for me to tell people from another community that they have no right to be offended by right. something. That's right. not my place. But I was also at the same time like, 
that I get it, but you're not necessarily reacting to the point of the scene. That's right. Yeah. Well, that happens. <laughs> yeah. It, you does. Know, it, it, it does. You know, people have to make their stand yep. to make their uh, to get their territory. And also, by the way, I get it. Like, to, well, yeah, it's, it is righteous. That's fight. it. And 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 if that's the price you pay for being on the right side of things, is that every once in a while you throw the baby out with the bathwater, yeah. or you attack someone that isn't the right target? Right. That's a small price to pay because out there they're the banging. Point. Yes, yeah. they're banging the right drum. Right, but it was like a bummer, and none of us had were ready for it. Right, right, right. <laughs> so yeah, throughout the the Judd movies, like how many did you do? You did Knocked Up, just did, that. Well, that was it. Yeah, just just undeclared and Knocked Up, and then and then. This but you is, became friends with Seth and Evan. Yeah, I, I I've known Seth and Evan since I was eighteen. Since we did Undeclared together, and like when I'd go to Vancouver, I'd stay at his parents' house and all that stuff. And oh really? Only time I ever snowboarded, I was wearing Evan's snowsuit, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then we did uh, This Is the End together. Well, that's a good movie too. Thank you. I, I, thought, I liked it. I, I agree. I, I thought that much that, better than it had any business being. Like, yeah, I, I, it's it's amazing. Another sort of scathing uh, indictment so. of celebrity. I think so. And yeah, I, and I think, but one that makes a lot of sense as a story. Yeah, like it actually structurally is a pretty strong thing, and and it's what I like is it has an energy to it that's kind of its own thing. I find it does. I've, yeah, and the effects at the end, Satan was good. That's it's it's really its own. <laughs> animal yeah, it is. and it and, is an odd movie and it has like a bit of Fellini in its DNA yeah. and I think and I was just happy that it was definitive because my biggest criticism of comedy cinema in the past 10 years is that it's the same movie yeah the same uh, font yeah, yeah. on the titles yeah everything's lit the same the wardrobe is the same it's right. all just four shots the the one bit of the take where they weren't talking over each other and the ad-libs were okay right like it's a they're all movies of four yeah. shots yeah you could fall asleep to one on a plane and wake up in the middle of another one and you would think it's the same fucking movie no it's true and this is the the end to me feels like a I won't I'm not gonna embarrass them and call them auteurs, but it is it's like a definitive intended bit of cinema. No, I think so. And I think that those guys have a like, you know, that crew, you know, Jonah and, and you and, and Seth and Evan, they're you know, they kinda and Judd specifically kind of created a, a new tone for just comedy in general. Yeah. I mean, I know Judd gets, you know, a certain amount of uh, criticism for the types of people that you know he seems to be capturing, right. but but in terms of just the language of the timing and everything and the vibe, and, yeah. and it's and it's a shared process that him and Ben Stiller both have because they all they came up together in the Ben Stiller show, yeah. And it was a neat thing for me to compare uh, the set of Tropic Thunder to like Undeclared or yeah. Knocked Up, and to see where <laughs> yeah, it came yeah. from. The you same want to go place. into that a little bit? No, <laughs> uh, I, I saw where it was similar, but neat to see neat to see <laughs> yeah. where they differed. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one of them runs a set differently. Yeah, uh, slightly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> But now let's talk about your relationship and the Canadians' relationship with hockey because I yeah. I didn't see the first Goon movie, but I watched uh, the, well, this the new awkward. one. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Fucking right. Thank you. It's not awkward. I mean, like I, I don't. <laughs> no, uh, I didn't expect you to have seen number two. So that's awesome. Yeah, they awesome. sent me a screener. Awesome. And you know the one thing that I I like I started to do because I don't know hockey right. and I'm not a sports guy in general. Gotcha, gotcha. Though I did know, learn how to skate when I was a kid. Uh, we lived in Alaska for a couple of years. Oh, so really? I, I had a oh, stick. Awesome. I had hockey skates. Oh, very cool. I went. To to the ring I, I could skate around a bit um but i never really knew how to play i was never on a team or anything well you just called it a ring not a rink so that a that's, rink yeah that, that's pretty a evident. boxing ring right? <laughs> well it's similar in your in your movie yes yes the ring in the ring <laughs> yes one in the same shared geography that's right yeah uh, but like when I was watching it with my girlfriend i'm like are these like because the the idea of the um 
the enforcers, yeah. you, know, you know, getting washed up and having to do these uh, these shows. Yeah, is that a real thing? Yeah. So that is because um, it's like, like comedy. A, it's fucked up. It's it's so that our ans- our version of it is like a bit kind of enhanced movie version of a very real, very sad thing that only ever happened once. Uh, is this thing called? It was called the uh, Black and Blue Hockey Enforcers uh, Tournament. Yeah, and there's uh, the footage of the tournament itself is a bummer. The documentary yeah. about them making it is very interesting because yeah, you see them go from town to town in Canada, and every single council is like, we don't want this. We don't want to just see two guys beat each other up in skates in like, hockey, outfit. but yeah. but not play hockey at right. all. Right, and um and then eventually Prince George BC was fine with it, and when you see the behind the scenes things of all these guys who are like five years out from actually having been on a team. Yeah. And the checks are bouncing and they're having to go chase the promoter down and be like, wait, this is not what we negotiated. So it's like wrestling. Yeah. And and it's like, but uh, it's real and they're actually right. fucking hitting each other as hard as they can. And, and like, don't now don't get me wrong. I am someone that well, I have to step in here and go, yeah. the guys who wrestle get hurt, but go ahead. Okay. Have to, <laughs> Sorry. You're right. You, but they, let me put it. Yeah. It is choreographed. That's what I'm saying. Okay, they, every one of those guys know who wins that fight. Yeah. Uh, in this case, they just beat each other up until it's over. Ugh. And uh, yeah, and and this bare knuckle, and and they're just squaring off. So and this was a real thing. That the opening thing, like, because I, I I know hockey's a sport, and I knew what what was being captured there were these these washed up you know fighters, yeah. hockey fighters who are now just doing that. Yeah. Some like of them, it, yeah. It, it 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 seemed like it couldn't wasn't fabricated. Like it, it has to be to born me. of something real. Now the the kind of battle royale ten guys at right, one right. thing that was that's our bit of movie flourish right but that's still the heart and spirit of that idea is the real thing of this like incredibly ridiculous over the top sad thing to see and it's like we thought it connected perfectly to the overall theme of the whole movie which is that evolution versus extinction yeah you know when you define yourself solely by what you do and what and especially if what you do is very finite yeah and hurts you and yeah. you're going to have to say goodbye to it you're faced with a very important fundamental profound ultimatum do i evolve and embrace this next part of my life yeah or do i stay there trying to hold on to what i used to have yeah and you pay a price if that happens i think well yeah and, and now in professional football you know we're really seeing that you, yeah. you know most of these guys are like you know we, we might all have this yeah this brain damage. Well, they're running right into each other. It was yeah. bound to be. And in those sports, like hockey and football, and yeah. I imagine, well, not soccer, but there's got to be other sports where you know people get horrendous. Actually, and what's so weird is they're finding it in even the soft sports, like even soccer. They're they're seeing a. Uh, it's it's all because no one was charting uh, head trauma and concussions until yeah. like ten years ago, right. fifteen years ago. Right, and they were fighting, and they fought that. Yes, they did. Yes, they. Yes, it's a they good movie. That yes, concussion they, movie. Is it? I haven't seen it's it. Good. Tell the truth. Yeah. Tell the truth. That one? Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll see it. Uh, um, yeah, no. They, it's good on a historical, because I know about it. Yeah, right. It's an important thing for people to know. Yeah. Um, and, 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 I, and I think it's, it's better for people to have the most information they have. I think the difference is, though, is when people start proselytizing and condemning. And I think it's more about give everyone, fans, players, everyone, yeah. the appropriate info and let them as consenting adults decide what they want to do with their lives. Right. So uh, after the success of the first Goon movie, mm-hmm. which you wrote, you didn't yeah. direct, yeah. and you've been a lifelong hockey fan. Yes, sir. That goes with your national pride, I that's imagine. A, so, yeah. That's and, the sport. And being my dad's son. Yeah. He's a big hockey fan? He was the biggest. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. 
And but you know, the, it was a surprise success. The first movie it, had, yeah. it built a cult following among the players and among. So in the states, it's yeah. in the Boondock Saints, Donnie Darko cult category. Yeah. Back home is just a bona fide success because we opened at number one across the country. I can't tell you another time in my life where an English Canadian movie was number one and an American picture was number two. Yeah. And it happened on Goon that weekend. Right. And then we also, in the UK, we're like one of the highest, if not the highest grossing Canadian film in UK box office history. Yeah. And so we have these three awesome kind of fan bases. In Canada, Canadians feel like we finally just uh, named the elephant in the room and gave them the movie that they've been waiting for. Yeah. In the UK, it's this weird thing that everybody thought they would hate. Yeah. And we're, but then we're like, oh yeah, no, the UK has got the biggest, oldest fight culture in the world. Of course they like this movie. Sure. And then for Americans, this really neat thing happened where in the States, hockey is like a black sheep, third tier, fourth tier sport. Right. And so the people that are uh, really into it, it that sort of otherness underdog thing becomes part of it. So when a fucking movie that's like ramshackle and blue collar and kind of handmade like ours comes, yeah, it just dovetailed perfectly with how they felt already. And it was like someone made a movie for them. So it was kind of a really neat thing. Well, the thing that I found in watching it was like, you know, once the story kind of found its groove, I mean, I knew where it was going, sure. but not in a predictable way, cool. but you're like, is that guy you're gonna come back and he's so funny that sean williams he's Scott, amazing because, because like he plays a doofus yes he does yeah he's not a very bright man and then you got you we have schreiber out of nowhere yeah. who just acts the shit out of that yep. guy yes he does and like and, like i couldn't believe it because like as a comic i know the old guys right you know in any profession right the guys who are you know salty like, dogs right and and you know almost over yep and like you know, right when he hits the screen, you're like, "Damn!" He I got the a, vibe, right? He's a real character. Yes, he is. No, yeah. and and he we we were so lucky. The, the the we were spoilt for riches on the cast in both films, and and T.J. Miller had a little part. Yes, in there. that's right. That's that's Allison Pill was genius. She's very funny. She is. That was an awkward one, uh, just purely because her and I used to live together. <laughs> but kept when, it professional. But we, well, it was such a, we were such. Her and I are both such like hard. Is she on Canadian. Our, she is. Oh. We're both ha- very hokey, hard on our sleeve artists that we're not trying to like hang out. But when it was apparent that we were going to make another one of these, there wasn't a moment's hesitation on either end about whether or not we should do it. Right. Because we both wanted to and knew the movie would be good and or and it was the right thing to do. So, But she she fucking kills it. And and I think Alicia Cuthbert as her sister is oh, on funny. fire that's in funny. that movie, that's I funny. think. Like yeah. even as like a non-Canadian, <laughs> yeah. you know, like having worked in Boston, yeah, and like, yeah, you know, yeah. There's, yeah. there's a certain tone. Yes. To the, yes. to, to it's called white of, trash. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, they don't like that. But you know, <laughs> I'm allowed yeah. to say it. Okay. <laughs> Working class, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, foibles. That's it. Yeah. And uh, caricatures. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, it was sort of familiar to me. But yeah. like, but so like, let me understand it. So so in hockey, yeah. there was a uh, there are guys that were hired onto teams that may not necessarily be great players, yeah. but were great fighters. Yeah, and that's it's it's. The dawn, that that era is drawing to a close. Is that sad? For a lot of people, yes. You know, I I I, I mean, it's a hard one. If you want to go down a rabbit hole, Google the f- hockey fighting debate. Yeah. And what's amazing is all of the people that are against fighting is a minority of people for the most part. It's usually writers. 
None of the players really seem to have an issue with it. They Every time there's an informal poll about whether or not the NHL should ban it, the players vote overwhelmingly in favor of keeping it. Right. And watch any fucking hockey game where two guys drop the gloves. Find find me the guy sitting in the audience. like they, Saying like, oh no. There's like maybe three of them. <laughs> overwhelmingly, we appreciate it and understand it and feel connected to it now. I also can't take away and dispute any of the reasons people don't like it. And fine, society has decided it's time for it to go, which is why there's a bit of melancholy romance in all of Last of the Enforcers. We yeah. named it Last of the Enforcers for a reason. Right, right. Because it's a bygone era. It's meant to be the last of the gunslingers. How's it doing up in Canada? It opened already. Yes, it did. And um, it's it's been such a amazing, lovely connection. Like, people own that movie. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's a hard thing to describe to someone who isn't from there because it's the only country in the world where we don't see ourselves reflected in our cinema. Uh-huh. Oh, really? All of our cinema's American. Yeah. I, okay, yeah, but there's I you know who's that um that that great Armenian director up there? Oh yeah, no, Adam Agoyan's amazing. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, how many of his movies connect to the average guy in Calgary? I guess. Uh, well, that's true. That's, I, I I guess there aren't the comedies that would define. That's the point. That, in right. in the states, in England, in Australia, I think it's taken for granted that you flip on the television or go to the movies, you'll see a movie that takes place in your country. Right. We don't ever have that. That's interesting. It and it and it has repercussions. Uh-huh. So for us to do these, you know, because I also believe there's not something as prohibitively Canadian that this this movie is not alien to Americans. No, like, I got it. Yes, you were. You didn't see a Nova Scotia license plate. What the fuck is Where this? Where am I? Like, throw what the planet is Throw this? the remote out the window. No. But I never thought about it. I, obviously, I wouldn't have put that much thought into it as you did. No. But like, yeah, I don't know that I could identify outside of performing in different parts right. of Canada. Right. You know what the the social no. structure is, no. what the what what our version of those kind of like characters are. So that's it. And and so we made movies where people hear people that sound like them and look like them. And like, let me tell you, when we did this one of the screenings in Calgary, yeah, which is a very important one for me because I said often we didn't make this movie for Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal. We made it for Calgary, uh, Hamilton, Winnipeg, Halifax. We made it for the, the all the small towns. Yeah, uh, and we did a screening in Calgary. Best fucking audience. I'm gonna, uh, one of my proudest moments. Um, I'm going to start crying. And this kid came up to me afterwards in the Highlanders jersey. And you got to remember, I came up with these teams, man. Yeah. I invented this shit. So. Yeah with Evan but like, I'm the one that came up with all the team names and yeah. so when I see people tattooing that shit on them or wearing that jersey it's a fucking huge deal yeah. and this kid came up to me and he said Jay thank you for this movie uh, not Last of the Enforcers he said Goon was my favorite film and since that movie's come out I've gotten married and I'm a new father Yeah. and now you made this movie and it's like my life is, is tracking in these two movies and that kid doesn't really get that very fucking often, right? right. And so that was, a, that was a pretty big one for me. That's, that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you. I've actually been to Calgary. Yeah. Yeah, I, I nicest worked in people, Calgary. Nicest fucking people. And I've been to Winnipeg. Yeah, that's where we did the first one. That city's pretty beat up. It's a hard it's a hard town. It's a hard town. <laughs> yeah. It's it's often the murder capital of the country. Is that true? We call it murder peg. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's just, but the actual city looks like the weather has yep. be, beats the shit no, out of it's it the, every year. It's it's the windiest part of North America. Yeah, I was point. I showed I was showed that corner yeah. twice. Portage in Maine. Yeah. yeah, it fucking sucks. Yeah, it's just it's, you're in the center of this like the apex of a storm. It's yeah. awful. It's yeah. so and the so streets cold. Are cracked. Cold as shit. Yeah, but fucking lovely people in that town salt of the earth people yeah. and i will say this strangely 
because I didn't expect this, amazing food. And not just like greasy spoon good food, like sushi, steak, four-star stuff. Like they really have a strange and, and a very well, important a, but arts is, community. Yeah, there's a highbrow culture there. there. Is, I mean, there like is. I definitely noticed that when yeah. I went. And they've given the world a lot of good punk rock as well. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Canada's given the world a lot of good actors, a lot of funny people. Yep. I mean, and but the experience of directing, this was the first time that yeah. you really took it on? Yeah, so I from feel about it? an episode of Trailer Park Boys, pretty much. Yeah, um, <laughs> I did one. I directed one of those. There's, but there's a Canadian thing that yep. is uniquely yep. Canadian. Those are and those are my boys, and they opened the door for us. I've said it in many interviews. There's no goon without Trailer Park Boys. They uh-huh. they, they built an infrastructure that allowed us to make that movie. Uh-huh. And did um, you ever watch Slapshot? Of course, yeah. of course. <laughs> but I'm not my dad, and yeah, like yeah, that's Brian. definitely for like. <laughs> they, yeah, there's yeah. a bit of a culture uh, generation yeah. gap. Sure, yeah, there's sure. a bit of a generation. But there gap. is a theme there. Big time. Yeah, oh, yeah, big yeah, time. No, yeah. no, we're we're the heir apparent. Yeah, hundred uh, <laughs> percent. Um, for being crass and vulgar and having that fighting spirit, and um, but there's no, some really funny scenes in your movie. Thank you very much. The um, characters are very good. Thank you. Oh, that's nice of you to say. Yeah, uh, directing is all I've ever wanted to do since I was nine, and it was the greatest thing I've ever been a part of. And are you work- looking to do more? Yes, that's all that I'm interested in. It's it's I'm I'm like if I'll be lucky if it some awesome acting gig finds me uh, then that's that but my intentions are all my attentions are all in trying to get this horror movie random acts of violence going which I might even be able to shoot this fall as well as the comic book stuff which is like I bought 20% of a comic book company and I'm the chief creative officer as well as writing titles for uh-huh. them and so a Canadian comic yeah, book yeah called Chapter House uh-huh. and I'm um, and I'm surrounded in my house by movies and comics anyway and now I have something to do with a bunch of them and it's really cool oh that's great I love I, it I was just going through my storage unit and I, I went through like maybe a two year window of comic book interest yeah <laughs> I was never brought up with it but right. there was a two year where and like I've got all the Hellblazers and Amazing. Sandman. Oh, Hellblazers is a hell of a book. Oh yeah, man. Great I was books. there at the beginning, and Great I'm like, books. I can relate to this guy. That's how far out I was. Great. <laughs> Him and I have something <laughs> that common. you felt allied with John Constant. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm like, this is my guy. <laughs> yeah, that speaks volumes. That speaks I'm, volumes. I'm better now. <laughs> I reeled it in. Then the burnt out supernatural sting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I reeled exactly. I reeled in uh, the the belief in uh, manipulating beyond my means. That's right. Uh, well, well said. But the directing thing, yeah. now when you did it, you, what, how did you sort of do it? Because I, I had some experience. Mm-hmm. Just I've done a couple of things. I directed a couple of episodes of my show, right? Of course. But uh, but like you know, you got to have a good DP. Yeah. You got to have. And, but you have, you spend a lot of time on sets. I mean, you've worked with Clint Eastwood. You've worked thing. with Stiller. You work with Apatow. You work with that's other what, big directors. That's it. And like I said, it was always film school. I was yeah. never passive, man. I was never just there. I yeah. was always not only observing and being a sponge. I was also always picking the brain of whoever would let me. Right. And I made the most of all of that. I'm I you know, and, and I was very fortunate, like Stiller was so bloody kind to me. Yeah. And and it's not like he didn't have enough shit to worry about on that movie. Yeah. Um, but he would always take time when he was lining up shots on the mini monitor to explain the composition of the frame, where the choppers were coming in and where this is gonna go, where the camera goes. And he knew that I would dig that. Yeah. And he knew that that's what I well, wanted nice. to do. Yeah, and I got to work with George Miller in uh, oh, yeah. in Australia for two weeks on a movie that never happened. And had it happened, he said to me, he's like, I know I want you here every day because I know you have an interest in cinema and I want you to shadow me like Mel did on Thunderdome. Oh, wow. And I was like, you know, that's one of the great apprenticeships in the world. And, and it didn't happen? It didn't happen. 
Uh, but I also got to be on set and watch David Cronenberg do his thing, and I got to watch. Oh, he's Cam a great McCrone. Canadian director. Yes, he fucking is. He's like my hero. Oh boy! Yeah. What was that one I just watched again? Did he do History of Violence? Yes, he, of course he did. Oof. Amazing flick. It is an amazing, amazing flick. flick. And Don't I never flick. read the graphic novel. Me neither. And I think that's it. It unfolds in such an awesome way. Scanners. Yes, dope. Uh, video drum. Video drum. But what's the the weird one about the obstetrician? Yeah, uh, Dead Ringers. Dead Ringers. That's Jeremy Irons. Great flick. That's been Based on a kind of a true story. Yeah, I know. Jean-Vierre Bujold as well. Yeah, I know. That is. Isn't that fucking gross? Oh, man. <laughs> that fucking weird? Yeah. The Fly. I mean, yeah. like, and I got to be in one. I got to be in co- a movie called Cosmopolis. And so I got to be on set with him for two days. And I got to watch him do his thing. And I'd have just asked to be a guest on that set anyway. I would have just stood at the He's wall. He's very specific and very deliberate and stylized. He and- is. And also, what's so neat is, in my opinion... The two greatest directors I've ever had the pleasure of working for on set mm-hmm. are Clint Eastwood and David Cronenberg. Right. And the two of them have the exact same set. Really? Yeah. And the, and, and what I mean is- Not too many shots? Not too many shots, not too many takes. Everyone's in a lovely mood. It's all an incredibly light on your shoulders and they atmosphere. know what they want. They know what they want. They've hired the people that they want. Yeah. And they all the, the crews all say the same thing, though. It's great. It's lovely. We move. You just don't want to be the guy that fucks it up. <laughs> but what's amazing is like, yeah, I think I did a total of like maybe four takes of each shot uh-huh. on Cosmopolis. He has the same sense of confidence and knowing the movie he wants to make as Clint did. Where like that first day on set on Million Dollar Baby, I was stressed as shit. And after every take, I said, Mr. Easter, was that all right? And he said, oh, I was fine. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I could already <laughs> chest move him telling the producer, "Who's this kid? Why does he keep bothering me? Who else auditioned? <laughs> you know." Let's... And then Morgan Freeman saw me nervous, yeah. and he leaned over. He's like, Psst. "If he doesn't say anything, it means he likes it." <laughs> and what that afforded me was this like huge career light bulb moment where right. I was like, "Oh yeah, what difference does it make how I feel about it?" Right. I'm not the director. Yeah. If he got what he needs for the purpose of his story. Yeah. Fuck, then, then I'm done. But you don't have those moments where you're like, I could have done that better? Not often. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> and maybe I'm just an asshole. No. But but no. I, I just like, if they, because if, if I didn't, we'd still be shooting. Right. And I just believe, I tried it, because I think that with artsy stuff, you can flower it up too much and get lost in theory. And you've got to remember it's still a craft. And and I'm digging a ditch. And yeah. if I'm digging the ditch that my supervisor asked me to dig, yeah. then... then and, and he thinks the ditch is done, you're fuck, good. Then it's not for me to be like, this looks like shit, you right, know? No. Right. And, and, and I swear that I've, since that day on Million Dollar Baby, I think maybe I've asked for another take maybe twice. But then you work with directors like Judd who likes to improvise. Yep. So that that's a whole other animal. It right? is. It is completely. And and that's like now there are also different versions of that ad lib atmosphere. Yeah. There are some where it's uh like comedic Darwinism where yeah. it's and it's like there is a slight soupçon of adversarial nature pissing right. contest to it. Yeah. And then you have the the what I like is the 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 vibe that my actors had on both Goon movies, yeah. which is they really, it's going to sound hokey, but they did take a um, a team at, a vibe to it, which sure. was, I, so uh, in the pissing contest, it's how can I be the funniest guy in this scene? Right. On Goon with those boys, it was how I want the guy next to me to look as good as he can. I'm setting him up. And also stay within character, because yes. a lot of times in pissing contest uh, uh, yes. movies, you can feel that they've departed from- Yes. 
story and character. And they don't give a shit. And right. it's like and it's like having a guitar solo in every fucking song. And that's sort of what you were talking about earlier about that kind of feeds some of the r- redundancy. Yes, it fucking does, man. And yeah. then it's like, who are you doing this for? Right. You're a tool and a servant and a steward of the story. That's it. Yeah. That's it. So I saw you on, uh, I watched you, I was just sitting around trying to avoid the world, and mm-hmm. I watched you on Kimmel last night. Oh, yeah. And, we're, and you were talking about food. Do you think that place where he had the moose heart was a pied de cochon? It, it, it definitely was. <laughs> well done, my man. My man. It had to have been. Right, right. Because it had I, to have been. Because I go to that place. Yeah. Right? Not as much anymore since I've got the high cholesterol. Yeah. But that place is insane. It'll and fucking went, kill you, Yeah, man. when he said a moose heart with maple syrup. I was like, I'm I like, knew it had, it had it to be. It was one of three places. Oh, and my I was God. Like, it, had to be, it had to be au pied de cochon. Au pied de cochon. Yeah. I've had some good shit there. That foie gras on the on the buckwheat pancake with the cheese. I've never the... eaten there. That's a bit rich for my blood. Look, working class. <laughs> 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 cup a cup of bovril and a ham sandwich. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, fine. You know, but for one time, it's, I will. It's right. special. Yeah, yeah, fair. All right, great talking to you, Jay. Thank you for having me, Mark. Great talk. Love that kid. Love him. Don't forget to pre-order Waiting for the Punch, Words to Live By from the WTF Podcast. You can go to WTFPod.com and click on the book links or go to MarkMarinBook.com. And remember to upload your receipt on the pre-order page and I'll sign a book plate for you that you can stick on the inside cover. Dig it. Oh my God. Come on, man. Let's just have a little, man. Just Just a quarter one. Just a quarter. Just a quarter. No, I'm gonna chew gum, man. The gum doesn't do anything. Just I'm I'm just gonna chew gum. I'm gonna put my earplug in. We're gonna play some guitar. God damn it. Come on, it'll get us out of this for a minute. I just want to taste, man. Just give me just a little, man. How about coffee? Let's have some coffee, but that'll just make me want to do the other thing. Come on! Just chill out. Let's play some guitar. God! Boomer lives!